Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. There you go. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Such an honor. What a presence there is in this building. So thankful. So thankful. May is Awareness Month, and we're going to make ourselves aware of God's presence. And so I'm going to read you the scripture. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles uh, to Psalms 139, 1 through 14, and then uh, if you don't have it, we'll have it up here. Psalms 139, verses 1 through 14. Are you ready? A Psalm of David, O Lord, you have searched me, he said, and known me. You know my sitting down and you know my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and you are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is no, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. In other words, you know exactly what I'm going to say before I say it. And so he says even further in verse 5, for you have hedged me behind and before. That means he's protecting him. And laid your hand upon me. How many of you know the hand of God is on you? Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot obtain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven... You are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take on the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be like light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as day and darkness and light are both alike to you that's phenomenal that's encouraging that means that no matter how dark your present circumstance is or what you're ever going through god sees it just like he would in the light so even when you can't see it god does he knows the way out he knows which way you need to take he knows exactly what you need to do for you form me in my inward parts you covered me in my mother's womb i will praise you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are your works that my soul knows them very well so so, so the writer begins to say i understand very clearly god that you can see everything you know everything you know me well even when I can't see you, even when I can't hear you, even when I can't feel you, you still know exactly the way I need to take and you know exactly what I need to do. You are able. God is aware. The challenge is going to be today is self-awareness. When you're aware, you get the revelation that he's aware and that everything's going to be okay. God has your back. God has your back. Would you pray one more time? Now you bless the service. 
Ask the Lord to bless the service. Ask the Lord to bless my mouth, my heart. Pray for the service that God would just feel the presence in this place again. Father, we thank you for your presence in this house. We worship you and thank you for God allowing us to even be a part of something so big, something so great, something so wonderful. We adore you, God, and we worship you, and we give you all the praise. We magnify you. My soul delights in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name, thank you, God. Everyone say amen. Turn around to somebody. Give them a big high five and tell them God knows exactly what you're going through. God knows exactly where you're at. And you can be seated this Sunday morning. Thank you so much for coming to Covenant. We are always so thankful for every single one of you. You are precious and you're dear to every one of us. We pray for you weekly. We pray over your families. We pray over your, your children. We pray over your, your careers. And we pray that God prosper you even as your soul prospers. That really is what church is about. Church is about helping you become a disciple of Jesus Christ so you can prosper. And as your soul prospers, you will prosper in every area of your life. To be discipled by Christ means to be a follower and a worshiper of Jesus. We don't come to church just to feel things. We come to, well, let me rephrase that. We love coming to church to feel his presence. But we come to church so things can be changed in our life. And sometimes in order to get changed, you have to be aware. God is a great, big, mighty, powerful, all-knowing, has all wisdom, knowledge. God can see the beginning from the end and vice versa. But in order for that God, who is your personal Savior, to begin to work in your life, there has to be a, an awareness. It's not good enough just to have a knowledge of God. We, we have knowledge so we can experience knowledge, implement knowledge. As, as, a, as a student of God's Word and a student of life and a student of, of business, I, I, love to, I love to listen to people who have been there in places I desire to go. I love to sit down with my elders and people who, who I look up to and people that I admire in life, and I like to hear their stories. I like to hear their not just successes, but I like to hear about their failures because everyone has failures. Everyone has shortcomings, but not everyone has learned how to overcome. But I love to rub shoulders with people who have not been spotless or without fault in their life, but people who have fallen, got dirty, messed up big time, and learn how to climb out of that by God's grace. Yeah. When I have a problem, I go to people who have, I really don't go to people who've never experienced a problem. I look for someone who has had the same problem and has now overcome their problem. So there are things in life we deal with. And we're always looking for people to mentor us, to help us. And it's true. Even though God is everywhere, and even though God is aware, how do we bridge the gap between God and us to see the God who sees our problems? 
And how do we get God in the middle of it? I'm sure you probably have the same questions people have asked you like they've asked me. One of the questions I always get from people who don't go to church or really don't believe in God is, if God is so loving and God is so kind, then why do all these bad things happen in the world? How many of you have been asked that question before? If there's a God, then why are there so many starving children in the world? If there's a God, then why did 9-11 happen? If there's a God, if there's a God, if there's a God. Let me remind you, and let's all be aware, that God created the heavens and the earth. God formed it when it was nothing. He said, let there be, and there was. And God established humanity. But humanity was born with the will. And humanity has a choice whether to serve God or to be submitted to evil influences around them. And that is the marvel of this life is that people have a choice. You had a choice. You came to church. You worshiped God. That doesn't make you better than anybody else. It just means today you made the right decision. Praise God for that. It took a desire. It took a a want to. It took a, a need and an awareness. I come to church because I need church. Because without church, I'm no good. How many of you feel the same way? How many of you can be honest with yourself and tell yourself and be honest and say, you know what? You wouldn't want to be my friend if I didn't have Jesus in my life. I need him. I need him every day. I'm so glad he changed my life. I'm so glad he delivered me. I'm glad he transformed me. You see, you're, like Caleb said, you are, he, he's not the same person he was not even a week ago. Well, even 10 minutes ago when you first stepped into church, or however long it was, 20 minutes ago, an hour ago, you're not the same person either. Because the power of God, the Spirit of God, has a unique way of coming into our life and changing us. So God sees every problem, God sees every struggle, God sees all irritations, and God sees every temptation. But your powerful Savior, even though you have a a knowledge of the truth, and even though you have an awareness of that God is maybe there, you need to be also aware that God has a plan for you. Here's your candy stick. Here's your Christianity's candy stick in Scripture. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. What that means is, even though you're going through and you feel like there's turmoil in your life or anxiety, frustration, or anger, God can have good thoughts towards you while you're going through all of that, but that doesn't mean things are going to change. God's thoughts towards us are always good. God's thoughts towards us are always loving. God's thought and his future for you is a bright future, an expected end. That means that something that you can look forward to and you expect good things to happen. How many dreamers do we have here today? Dream. I love to dream. I love to think about the goodness of God and God's plans for my future and 
and I know that God's going to I know that God's going to bless me and my family, and I expect good things to happen because he's a good God, and he loves me, and he cares about me. But even though I think those things and I know those things, when I ha- I'm still going to have problems. And even though I have a problem, I'm going through something, just because God thinks good towards me does not mean he's going to act unless I act. Let me say that again. Just because I'm going through something and God thinks good towards me does not automatically mean that my circumstance will change because God's thoughts toward me are good. There has to be something that activates that goodness in my life, something that infuses that goodness in my life. And here's the first thing that needs to happen. Number one, self-awareness is priority. Being self-aware. Change can only happen through first being self-aware. Do you know that's how repentance takes place in our life and that's how the blood of Jesus is applied? You have to first acknowledge the fact that, you know what? I don't have it all together, God. We're all sinners. But the blood makes us saints, right? The blood makes us forgiven. But unless we first realize we have a problem or we need help or we have an issue, the issues can never be resolved. Someone said, that like, someone said it like this. Self-awareness is our capacity to stand apart from ourselves. That means look back and examine our thinking, our motives, our history, our script, our actions, our habits, and tendencies. That's what self-awareness is. It's the ability to step back. That's what makes us different from animals. Animals do not have self-awareness. Animals don't have a conscience like we do. But God blessed us with his spirit. And the Holy Spirit allows us to have an outer perspective, to look from the outward inward. Look, because he looks from the inward outward. And we're sometimes so blind you ever, you ever heard the phrase, I can't see the forest for the sake of the tree? You can't see the forest for the sake of the tree. That means that you can't see all the other trees in the forest that represent the forest because there's one big tree right in front of you. That tree represents a problem. And sometimes our problems are so, even, it may not be even a big tree or a big problem, but proximity and closeness. And so depending how close you are to it, and that's all you see, and that's all you think about, it will blind you to, from everything else that's out there. And God is so big, and God is so able, and God is so ready to do something in your life, but you have to step away from your problem. You have to step away. So, so without this, without this self-awareness, we're not able uh, to learn or correct our mistakes, our failures, um, and allow God to fix our flaws. And the greatest source of self-awareness for the Christian uh, believer is the Word of God. Without the Word of God, you and I can never see truly what we need changed in our life to become more like Jesus. Because we want to live like Jesus, don't we? Well, I mean, we want to be victorious, right? We want to feel, uh, be filled with His Spirit. I don't want to be pushed around by any devil. Jesus wasn't bullied by devils, right? 
Jesus was an overcomer. Jesus just walked on the beach. And all 12 legions of angels came up to him and they said, what do we have to do with you? Why are you messing with us, right? Why are you messing with us before our time? He just walked on the seashore of the Gadarenes. They were scared of him, but Jesus was very aware. He said, my words are not my own, but they, my words are spirit and they are life. And he said, I do nothing and say nothing without the consent of my father who is in me. He was aware of who he was. You know what caused him to be really aware of that? The first thing that Jesus had to go through before his ministry was, he had to go through water baptism. Right? He was water baptized. Water baptism is so important in the Christian life. If you've not been water baptized, let me help you understand that a little bit more uh, a little bit more in detail. Water baptism is not just about getting wet in front of people. So you can say, I did it. I'm part of the crew now. West side, part of the crew. That's not what it's about. Getting water baptized is an obedient act toward God. It's, a, it's a, God's modus operandi of his salvation in our life. It is his way that the Spirit chose. And Jesus came to John the Baptist and he said, uh, water baptize me. And John says, uh, you know what? You need to baptize me, Jesus. And, and Jesus said, suffer it to be so for now for us to fulfill all righteousness. And he was baptized. And when he was baptized, the Spirit descended upon him. And in that moment, when he descended, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And they heard it and they marveled at it. But right after that, guess what happened? He had to go into the wilderness. The Bible says the spirit led him into the wilderness and he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And what did Satan tell him? He said, if you are the son of God, do this, do that, do this. Kind of ironic, right? Because the voice just told him, the father just told him, this is my son. Now the testing was, are you really the son? Every word God gives you has to be tried first before it can be trusted. We've taught you that for years in this church. Whatever hasn't been tested can't be trusted. And so Jesus had to go through the testing process. But then he said it. He told him three times. He used, what did he use against him? You know this. He used the word. And since he used the word, he became more conscious, more aware. It became more relevant to him. And then Satan left. He left. Watch this. James chapter 1, verse 23 and 25. The word is your greatest source for self-awareness. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. In other words, if a man hears the word and doesn't do it, 
He's like a man or a woman who goes into a mirror, looks at themselves, and forgets that there was a flaw and goes out in public with the flaw. When I do something to my facial hair, because I have, I always ask my kids. I look at it, I ask, there's one of my kids, one of them, when I ask them, I always go to her, because she's the one that will tell me, Daddy, that looks dumb. <laughs> she doesn't say dumb, she uses nicer words, but she'll tell me the truth. Now, my wife, she loves me so much. She'll always ter- tell me, I don't care how you look. You, I just love you so much. Aww. Tell me if it looks bad. <laughs> tell me the truth. <laughs> mustache, no mustache, no mustache. Little things. But sometimes, well, here's how the scripture says it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes you need someone to help you point something out. Now, don't go start blasting everybody. Okay, please don't do that. But sometimes you need someone to make you aware. Well, the word of God is that friend. Now, listen to this. But if he looks into the perfect law of liberty, verse 25, and continues in it, he he is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one, say, I'm that one. Come on, someone say, Lord, make me that one. This one will be blessed in what he does. Here's the challenge we have as believers. Through life, we have this struggle. Let me just show you this. Through life, we have this struggle. This is what we deal with. We are constantly dealing with two opinions. Constantly. We are dealing with evil influences, and then we have the good nature. Most of the time, we are a house divided. House divided. I've driven, I've, I've driven through houses, through neighborhoods sometimes, and I've seen front lawns, and on the front lawn it said house divided, Longhorns and Aggies. So funny. Dallas and Houston, Texans, you know. House divided. Well, your house is divided when you are prone to giving into influences in your life that have nothing to do with God's word and that would take you away from it. And how we, how we I'm going to say this, the connection that that evil influence will have in your life is based on this, is based on Someone say desires. It's based on desires. Sometimes there are desires in your life that God, did, that God didn't put there, that you developed on your own, and those ungodly influences that come from little imps. Now, I have to tell you, there are little devils that are hanging out like monkeys on people's backs that whisper little things all the time all the time, and based on your desires that you have established through your thinking, this will influence you. But then there's that little voice that wants you to do good. Well, you know, Paul said it like this. He said, when I do good, evil is present. Oh, who shall deliver me from this body of death and this sinful man? Then he goes, I thank God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I do believe that God is trying to help people become aware and recognize and make right decisions and to help them. But I also believe that through spirits, you know, the devil can't ever, he, he can't win against God. He can't defeat God. He couldn't defeat Jesus. He, he lost that battle, but he's still upset about it. And he's still trying to make you look bad because the only person he can affect is you because you're in the image of God. He can't get to God, but the closest one to God, he tries to come after. And by little decisions, little temptations, here's another way that he uses. Here's another channel. Attitude. How many of you have ever heard Zig Ziglar or know of Zig Ziglar or heard someone say, attitude is everything? I don't care. Yeah, people with bad attitudes, right? I don't care. So what? Well, that is exactly what the devil will use or an evil force will use to try to get your mind to think differently. Here is what it is. Here's exactly what it is. What happens is this channels itself through carnality. That's what it's going to. And this little guy right here thinks he's sly and he works through these areas. And that begins to affect you. And it goes down deep, folks, into your spirit. It goes down deep. Every time there's something there, attitude. Here's another one. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I'm not going to tell you what I just had, but you know what it was. An offense. An offense is exactly what it means to me in definition when you allow offense to come into your life or you're offended by something, you're literally fencing off the people that you love in your life from coming into your life. You build a fence. You build a fence so people, you know, gates and windows and, and, and doors were meant to keep people out of your life and protect you. It wasn't meant to keep people in. It was meant to keep people out. But when you get offense in your life, someone offends you because silly things. I've I've, I've done this before. This has happened to me. Well, my child didn't get invited to the birthday party. Well, guess what? I'm not going to invite them. Aha! Uh-huh. Carnality touches the heart, affects it. Carnality, you know what carnality is? Carnality is the dry places in your mind, in your heart, that have not been saturated with the Word of God. Carnality is the unaffected places in your mind that God has not changed yet. It's the dry places in your spirit that Satan feeds on. You remember in the book of Genesis where God told Satan, for the rest of your life, you're going to eat the dust of the ground. That was symbolic. It is parallel to the parable that Jesus gave in about the parable about the garden, the good ground. And some brought forth 30 60, and 100. 
and some of the things that were in the ground that choked out the word. Some fell on stony ground, and the birds came and took that seed out and stole it. That bird represented a spirit. But Satan feeds on dry places in your mind. A dry place is where religion is formed as well. Religion is man's ideas of what he thinks it takes to please God. But when that gets saturated by God's spirit, then it becomes relationship. So it's not about keeping score. It's about keeping time with him. Are you, are you with me? Okay. Carnality. But now let, let me help you here. Let, let me help you. Here's the one thing that we need. As time progresses and we begin to see this is what God wants to take place. He actually wants this to happen in your life. But the only way that can take place is going to be that you put priority on the Word of God. And when the Word of God begins to come into your life, then you've got the entrance to God's Spirit in your life. And as God's Spirit comes in, out of your mouth flows rivers of living water. Now you get rid of that thing and all those issues are taken care of. They're gone. So, so here's what was there. What was there was, it was the offense. When that offense was there, you have the authority to speak against that condition or that spirit that's there, and it leaves you a spirit of offense or hatred. You see, through the Word of God, through the Word of God, we have bear with me. Through the Word of God, what we have is we have deliverance from hatred. When the Word of God says, forgive those who despitefully use you, First of all, let me explain this to you folks. We don't deserve mercy, but I thank God he gave it to me. None of us deserve to be forgiven. None of us deserve to be forgiven. But when you allow the word of God to come into your life, the spirit of God is attracted to that. That's how you do it. That's how it's done. I want you right now to think about your favorite dessert right now. Come on. I can see a flan. I can see tres leches, cheesecake. So papillas, I see them all over the place. Your favorite dessert. And I want you to think about right now your favorite lemonade. Your favorite lemonade. Is your mouth watering? Your favorite lemonade. How about ochata? Is ochata? Oh, yes. <laughs> and she's white. You're in South Texas. If you think about that long enough... You're going to develop desires for those things that are going to resonate right in your heart, your spirit man. When you think about those things, you have to ask yourself, what have you been thinking about? What have you been meditating on? What have you been allowing to generate desires in your life? The only way and the only thing I have ever found to fight and to ward off all those things is this. You cannot fight them off you have to replace it with something else. 
And the only thing that is worthy, that's able to defeat all of that is God's Word. God's Word never fails. God's Word is everlasting. God's Word will be here at the end of time. When heaven and the earth fade away, His Word will always be here. It's eternal. But you see, in the eyes of God and through the Scripture, when you study a little bit closer, the Spirit and the Word are one. That is the only thing that is attracted, that the Holy Ghost is attracted to whatever the origin, whatever is, it has the beginning in the Word of God. Before the world were formed, God said, let there be. His Word had to be established first, then there was. His word had to be established first, then it became. That means that it does us a lot of good to speak God's word to get every hindrance out of the way so God's spirit can come in and allow his word to take place. You know, when God anoints somebody and God uses somebody, God has to use what you've put up there. God will only use what you have up here. Most of us don't realize that, but this is why the only way you can really become aware is that God will only make you aware of what you can see. Now, now watch this. Watch this. Point number two, only the Holy Spirit can make you conscious. Only the Holy Spirit can make you conscious. And now through the anointing and through the Holy Spirit, you've warded off that other demon and the other things that have been following you, and now you've got double backing. You're not a double-minded person anymore. Now you're a single-minded person, and you don't have to worry about those things that much anymore because you are now filled with His presence. But you have to maintain, I keep on putting this up there because it's so important, you have to keep the word the center of your mind between here. Joyce Myers was right. The battlefield is between, it's in the mind. This is where everything is changed and made up. Now, now here, here's what I want to show you. Here's what I want to show you. In the beginning, when God formed humanity, when God took Adam and formed him out of the dust of the earth, in the beginning, the scripture says God breathed in man, he became a living soul. Well, it took God's spirit to give man a conscience. It took God's spirit to make and give Adam a conscience. So the reason why Adam sinned, are you ready for this? The scripture says, to he who doesn't do, who, who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Adam didn't know before God's presence what good and evil was. Then God breathed in him and made him a living soul. Then he was conscious of it. That's why when he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's when it became sin because he knew the difference between right and wrong. Right? Then Adam sinned, right? Then he was kicked out of the garden. Then he didn't have the conscience he needed. So now he had to go and sacrifice animals because that was the barrier. That, you know, the barrier was, was sin. And now he had to take a life for life and spare his own life. And, but it took the spirit to establish it. But then they lost that grace in their life. 
But then God sent the second Adam. And when God sent the second Adam, who gave his life one time, and he poured out his spirit upon all the earth, now humanity know and knew the difference between right and wrong again. God was so fiercely angry at times when, 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 when we messed up. I mean, he, he, we didn't have a conscience, but we were so evil back in those days, in the days of Noah. I mean, he sent it, and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights because of the hardness of their hearts, and only eight people were saved by water, and that was Noah. But I want to read you what that scripture says about this in relation to us now. 1 Peter 3, 18 and 22, it says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. See, that doesn't mean just because Jesus died for our sin, it gives us the right to go out to sin. He said the reason why Christ died for us so we can come to God. So we come to God and having put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. That means every evil spirit and every spirit in the world knew who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water corresponding to that. In other words, this is the same relation. This is the example that God gave us corresponding to that. Baptism, water baptism, now saves you not from the removal of dirt from your flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience. For a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers have been subjected to him. In other words, because Jesus did what he did, now when we are water baptized, how many of you have been water baptized in Jesus' name? You, you thought you were just getting wet. You weren't just getting wet. You were going through the operation of the Spirit where God was giving you a conscience, where you understood what was right, what was wrong. You belonged to Him. It's God's operation. You were born of the water. But then there was a promise given to you all and to us that said that He would give us the power of the Holy Spirit through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, there is, and he concludes that by saying, and there is one devil that can stop you from being saved and from being lost and from being unaware because you've got a good conscience now. Now you're aware. Now you understand. Now you can see. And now the Spirit works in your life through the Word of God and obedience to His Word, now you've got double for the devil's trouble, and now you can face any circumstance, hear from God, don't have to worry about being tempted all the time, worried about going through problems, not having the answers. 
You've got God's help. You have his help. And the reason why, and there's little emojis up there. I just want you to remember the angels. The reason why I chose little angels, those are supposed to be angels, by the way. The reason why I chose little angels is because God uses angels as messengers. You may not believe in angels, but I'm going to tell you they're real, and every one of you have one, if not two, if not five. Depending on the assignment God gave you is how, many, how much help he gives you. I learned that a long time ago. Depending on the assignment and the responsibilities you take in the kingdom, that's how many angels God will give you to assist you. That's another whole lesson. But the truth is, there's not one person I read about in the Bible we can read about that didn't have angels to minister to them. Mary had an angel come as a messenger to her. Daniel had an angel come as a messenger to him. And there was warring angels that came. I believe every person should have more than one angel because there are warring angels and there are messaging angels. Warring angels that fight on your behalf. There's as many angels as is necessary for the battle. This message is not about angels, but it is about being aware that God knows your situation, that God knows exactly where you're at, and being, being conscious and understanding that God will move because he loves you. But if God is moving outside your world, listen to this now, if, if you're going to see God move outside your world, it's because you have God moving inside your world. You want a move of God out around you? Get a move of God inside of you. Very simple. You want fire in church? Have fire in home. Bring the fire from home into the church, and you'll have an exciting church to go to. Not just emotional, not just hype, but a spirit-filled church. Strong churches are made up of strong families. That's one of our values at Covenant Life Center. We have visions, but more than vision, we have values. We value family. We value worship. We value ministry, prayer. I was going to say something else, discipleship. We value discipleship. This is what it's all about. It is all about being aware. God is there. God is there. Again, you are God's people. You're God's people. You belong to him. You're, you're his. You're bought with the price. There's not one person here that he doesn't love. Not one person. God will care for his people. God will fight for his people. God will provide for his people. God will protect his people. God will and does love his people. He cares about you. And for whoever has ever said or feels even right now where you feel like you're, you're, you're probably saying to yourself or maybe you've said to yourself, where's God? God is right beside you, right inside of you. God is there. God is there. If you feel like you don't see him, don't feel him, then stir up the gift of God inside of you. 
Get back in the Word of God. Don't, simp- don't, don't complicate it. It's very simple. It's consistency. Consistency is the power and the secret for a move of God in your life. And now let me share this with you. When you start seeing God in your life and you become consistent, and I don't mean you have to stay in prayer an hour a day. I think it's a great goal, but I'm not telling you that's where you need to start. You need to start at least five minutes a day or take a minute a day just to be consistent with that every day, and God will build that desire and give you strength and grace to build that up. But start someplace. I don't care if you just read one word out of the Bible, one scripture out of the Bible. At least you're doing it consistently. I would rather eat, read one scripture and memorize it than to read a whole chapter and forget it. But the key is consistency. And watch this. When you start being consistent, this is what begins to happen. How many of you have ever had this happen to you? When you start fasting, you start praying, you start seeking God, all of a sudden you see all these problems happening. All of a sudden you start seeing problems that were there you weren't even aware of. And it's like... And, and then we, we're, we're so clueless, we say things like, oh, my God, the devil's a liar. I start fasting, and, and he starts doing all this. Hold on a second. Some of that stuff was already happening. You just weren't spiritually aware. But now that you become spiritually aware, God opened your eyes and revealed that thing, not so he can torment you, so God can remove it out of your life. That's what happens. The reason why a lot of people don't like going deeper into God sometimes is because they're afraid what they're going to see. Don't be afraid of what you're going to see. Don't be afraid of looking in the Word and seeing things that you feel like you don't measure up to. It's not about that. You have someone that God gave you called the Holy Spirit that will teach you, grow you, help you, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But the whole reason is to become aware. You can never change anything. Thank you, sir. You can never change anything unless you're first aware. That's what it's all about. God sees everything. He knows you're going through financial struggles right now. He knows you're going through some bad relationship issues. He knows that there are some issues that you may have even with yourself. He knows all your hangups. But hey, listen to this. Jesus was hung up so you can get rid of all your hangups. And don't think to yourself, where is God in all of this? God is where he has always been. On the throne, looking at you, waiting for you to start becoming aware that he loves you, cares about you, and can do something about your problem, and he's waiting for something. Watch this. He is waiting for something to start coming out of your mouth that will drive off everything necessary and change your world. Everything will result in your your world depending on what's going on in your heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And I'm telling you, that's why Jesus, that's why Jesus, whenever he came down from that mountain of, called uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, 
when he came down from that mountain and went down to the, to the hillside and all the disciples tried, tried praying for that little boy that was possessed by a demon. And when they couldn't cast it out, they all said to Jesus, he said to Jesus, why couldn't your disciples cast him out? And Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. In other words, he denied himself, got rid of all his hangups, and got rid of all the things that would hinder the work of God, and became sold out, single-minded. So when he came down, all Jesus had to do was say, go, and it left. Why? Because in his words were authority and power because they came from inside. But he kept God's word. He kept God's, in, God's commandments. He kept it in his, the law of God in his mind. And therefore, he kept a prayer life and was consistent with that. So when he came across a problem, he knew God was aware. Watch this. He came to Lazarus' grave. He came to Lazarus' grave. And they said to him, had you been here sooner, he would not have died. And he looked at them and said, this is all for the glory of God. And he went out to the sepulcher or the tomb, and he said out loud, he prayed it out loud. He said, Father, I know you always hear me, but I'm talking out loud so they all around me can hear me and know that you are with me. And then he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came alive again after four days. But you see, he gave an example that he was aware. Being aware of your hangups and frailties, uh, your, your old na nature, it's a good thing. The problem is, is when you don't see that about you. That's the bad part. When you don't recognize it. Listen, if everybody's pointing something out, listen, they may be right. You may have to reevaluate yourself. If you got a problem with everybody, the problem may not be them. The problem may be, well, it's, hey, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> I'm not afraid to look at my problems. I'm not afraid to acknowledge I have a problem because the faster I can acknowledge it, the faster I can be aware of it, the faster God can get rid of it because the faster I'll repent of it. <laughs> Secondly, I'm not afraid after that, I'm not afraid to look and see the other problems. Because that just means if God shows it to me, God wants to deal with it. And depending on my awareness of him, if I believe God can, he can. If I believe it's God's will, he will. And the only way I'll have that knowledge is to have a knowledge of his word, what his plan is. Here's a challenge for today. Here's a challenge in conclusion. Don't simply be aware of God's presence today. Become dependent on his presence today. That's what it's all about, folks. We grow together. We pray together. We worship together. But don't complicate it. God is aware of everything going on in your life, and he wants to change it. But he wants you to change some things. And here, 
then he can change some things around you. Yes, it is very possible for God to bless and bring your family together. Someone say amen. amen. Yes, it is God's will for your family to prosper. Yes, it is God's will for your health to prosper. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's one. Yes, it is God's will for your finances to prosper, to not be in debt to everybody, to, have, to not have a bad credit score. Someone say amen. God can fix all that stuff. Whatever you put in the hands of God, you've now given him right to step into that area. That's why I give him my heart, I give him my mind, I give him my talent, and I give him my treasure, my money. Because whatever I don't surrender to him, I have not given him permission to step into. I want him in every area of my life. Every area. But God can. I'm telling you, let me just tell you in a nutshell what I'm saying today. He is for you. He loves you. You're a victorious Christian. You're, there's not a problem that you can look at that he can't deal with. Come on, somebody. Your God is for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Don't look at your family and say, oh, me. Look at God and say, oh, amen. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Lift up your hands. God is aware and he cares. Somebody give God some praise right now. You have a God who is able. You have a God who is able. You have a God who can. Have a God who will. Now lift up your voice and tell him, Lord Jesus, I surrender. God, I surrender every problem. I surrender every circumstance. I surrender every relational problem. I surrender every financial problem. I surrender and submit every legal problem. I, I right now, Lord, you are the attorney in our corner. You are the advocate of our private affairs. You step in. You step in. If you are going through a legal battle right now, I don't care what it is. They think they they think they you, you know, they got the upper hand on you. I want to encourage all of you that you have an advocate with the Father. In other words, you've got an attorney whose name is Jesus. And he will stand by your side. He can throw the case out. He can throw, listen, he did it once already for you. You, every one of us, we were sentenced to hell. We were sentenced and labeled as sinners. But Jesus came in. And when you were standing in front of the judge, Satan was on the other side. He was accusing you. He was saying, you messed up. You failed. And he was right. And he was right. But there was an advocate who stood by your side. And he said, Father, I died for them. I paid the price for them. And he had no other choice. But the judge had to say and throw down the gauntlet and say, 
He who the Son has set free is free indeed. Now give God some praise in this house. I said your God is able. I said your God is able. Your God is able. Your God is able. <laughs> your God is able. Oh, <laughs> let's take it back for a moment. Let's take it back old school. You ready? Here we go. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.